0: The Lord be with you, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and He asked His disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets." He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, You are Peter, And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then Jesus strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ the gospel of the Lord. Praise to You, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Be seated. Hey, you know, it's been a while since I've been up here. If I make mistakes, indulge me. But it is good to be here. It's good to be back in this pulpit. It's been a while. And, uh, you know, if you're wondering, yes, I have missed it. I I really have missed it a lot. But also, for full transparency, I really like retirement, (laughs) okay? You know, it's been good. Um, And uh, I I, I really actually thank the Lord every day that I retired in 2018, okay? Uh, I just have to admire Pastor Melky. And uh, all of the office staff, and you think of all of our pastoral staff—Laura, back here, and Sue, and Tice, and Tom, and Corey, and our new principal, uh, Paul Rosine—and all the teachers. All of uh, all of these people. Do you know uh, behind the scenes how much it takes? And then you have all the volunteers, and then you have all of the people who are out there in in Trinity Land both in present now and, you know, out there in digital world who are still supporting this ministry. I, I just got to thank God for it. And I thank God I'm retired, so. But seriously, seriously. So, at the beginning of the sermon series, which that Pastor Milkey, uh called, Finding Faith in the Crazy Train, he quoted from a song well, the namesake for this series, which was called Crazy Train, by Ozzy Osbourne. That immediately got my attention because, you know, way back in the 70s, uh, that's when I was in college. And right around that time. and I, Ozzy Osbourne? Wait, the, metal, the heavy metal rocker who was part of the singing group called Black Sabbath? And who had the nickname of Prince of Darkness, holy schmoly, what's going on here? But as Pastor went on, he explained that if Balaam could hear, heard the words of God through an ass, and for sensitive ears, maybe donkey, uh, then maybe we could, maybe Ozzie could say something to us. And so I thought, wow, that's really interesting. So, I went and looked at that song as I was preparing to preach today, and a, a verse really stuck out, and uh, that verse goes like this. You can see it up on the screen. I've listened to preachers. I've listened to fools. I've watched all the dropouts who make their own rules, one person conditioned to rule and control the media sells it, and you live the role. I'm going off the rails on this crazy train. When I read that, I said, my gosh, Ozzy is a prophet. That's the truth. In fact, to quote a, another interesting character from the past, Pontius Pilate, who When Jesus said he was the truth, Pilate looking at this poor, manacled, beat-up guy said, (laughs) you're the truth. What is truth? What is truth these days? What do you believe in? Who do you believe in? Who do you listen to? I think that's a pretty good question. I think a lot of Americans need to ask that. In fact, a lot of People just need to ask, who are you listening to and what do you believe in? The media? Well, I mean, which media do you want? Fox News? MSNBC? CNN? CBS? I mean, oh, let's see, maybe politicians, yes, politicians, you want to believe politicians? And what about the Democrats or the Republicans? What about Andy Fauci? You want to believe him? So, what are we thinking about masks and the coronavirus? Or what about Black Lives Matter? Or what about defund the police? Or how about climate change? My gosh. What in the world are we to believe about any and all of these things? Tell me, is truth found in recent opinion polls. That's got to be it. That's what the Americans are all saying. So, believe that, really? My brothers and sisters, it is a crazy train. (laughs) And it seems to be accelerating, doesn't it? It really does. It seems to be going out of control. So, this evening, we find ourselves contemplating the words and actions of Jesus. And we are going to listen in on a conversation with His closest disciples. He takes them away from the crowds to a remote place up in northern Israel, Caesarea Philippi, to the headwaters of the Jordan River, and it is up there away from his admirers, and from his detractors, from a crazy train if you would, that he wants to have a very special conversation, a very special moment. And he wants to ask them a question, two questions. The first question is, who do people say I am? You know an, putting it in our parlance, what's public opinion out there about me? Well, some say you're John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Others say you're Elijah, prophesied by the prophet Malachi to come back and to usher in the day of the Lord. Some say you are the great prophet Jeremiah. You're one of the great prophets, Jesus. You know, there's a lot of opinions about who you are, but there's one thing for certain. People are listening to you. People are taking your words to heart. You're a powerful guy, Jesus. You're standing up for the little people. You're standing up for what is right. You're defying the political and religious powers. They're listening to Okay, but what about you? Who do you say I am? So this is not now public opinion, you know, recent polls. Here's the real question, and Jesus makes it very personal, not third party. Who do you say I am? That is a question, brothers and sisters, that every human being on this planet will have to answer. Who is this Jesus of Nazareth? A great prophet? A powerful teacher in word and in deed? A revolutionary? A threat to the established order? The long-awaited son of David, the Messiah, who will restore the nation of Israel? Yes, who are you? Simon Peter is the only one that apparently answers the question after he asked it. says, you are the Christ, Christos. That's the Greek for Mashiach. HaMashiach, the Messiah. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon, says Jesus. Blessed are you, because that truth didn't come from public opinion. No. It didn't come from politicians or the media. You are blessed because you listen to the truth that my Father has revealed to you. You are blessed. And I'm changing your name. You are Peter. The Greek word is Petros. In the Aramaic or or Hebrew, it's Cephas. You are the rock. You're the rock man. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, just parenthetically, obviously Jesus is not building it just on Peter. He's not building his church just on the person of Peter because what happens to Peter after this point? What happened to the rock man? I don't know, Jesus. (laughs) Remember that at the fire? He denies him. When Jesus says, you are Peter, and upon this rock, this Petra, I'm going to build my church, he's talking about what Jesus just confessed, that Jesus is who the Messiah, Hamashiach, the Son of the living God who has come into this world. Our Christian faith, the faith of the Holy Church throughout all the ages, the Holy Catholic Church, the universal church, is built on that rock, an impervious rock that will never change ever. Ever. And that is the confession of Simon Peter. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He is the Savior of the world, and there is none other. And hell, Jesus says, will never overpower the church. Now, wait a minute. Does it seem like the church is winning these days? I mean, look around. Even before the pandemic occurred, church attendance in America was what? Plummeting. Less and less people are identifying with the Christian faith. They want to be spiritual, okay, but they're not wanting to be committed to Jesus. And so the pandemic is only accelerating this. The gates of hell are winning. Yes, it sure seems like it. Just look around us. Look at the screen. You know, this is... I couldn't believe this picture. You know where this was taken? The Magnificent Mile in Chicago. Any of you been there? Unbelievable. There's anarchy and violence and murder in the streets of America. You'd think it was a third world country, wouldn't you, by the pictures? People treated unjustly simply because of the color of their skin. Children being aborted, abandoned, and abused. Skyrocketing addictions. And skyrocketing suicides among young people. It's a crazy train. And we want a savior. We want a leader. We want a train conductor who's going to conduct us back to the tracks to slow this crazy train down so we don't careen and fall off the abyss. It's crazy. And I think a lot of Christians just wonder, what is going on? What are my grandchildren going to face? I think that a lot. But I'm here to tell you. The truth of the matter is, the church has always faced opposition. Always. It has always faced opposition to proclaiming the truth that is found in Jesus. Think of the days of the very beginning of the Christian faith. When Peter and Paul, those pillars of the church, were actually martyred in Rome. And Christians were rounded up. And then placed in the killing arena called the Colosseum for the entertainment and enjoyment of all the Romans who would go to see them, either burned or beaten and chopped up by gladiators or eaten by wild beasts. That's what our ancestors faced in the very beginning. And did they, like, oh, my gosh, you know, What the hell is happening? What did they do? No, they stood their ground. They persevered in their faith. They raised their children to know Jesus and to love Him. Tertullian, a historian, three centuries after those terrible events of early Christians said, the blood of the martyrs, is the seed of the church. Think about that. They didn't shrink back in fear. Jesus even tells us and teaches us that there are going to be times when malevolent forces of evil will cause terrible harm to Christians. But do not fear, he said. Lift up your heads for your redemption is drawing near. Through all of the centuries, the church has endured the gates of hell. Think about it. Any of you know Roman history? The mighty Roman Empire collapsed. The church continued and prospered and grew. And think of recent times. The mighty Soviet Union That one of the tenets was to create a completely atheistic state. And they would bury Christianity. (laughs) Who got buried? The communists. Who remains and is growing? Christians. It may look at times that we are defeated. But you know, brothers and sisters, that's why Paul would constantly say, We preach Christ what? Crucified. Do you realize that back in that moment, at that time, and when Jesus was hanging on the cross, did they see, oh my gosh, here's our hero, here's the Savior of the world? What did they say? He's a fraud. He's a fake. Come down from the cross, Jesus. Then we'll believe you. But in the weakness of God, Paul says we find God's strength. Jesus did come down from that cross, didn't he? He was buried in a tomb. But did he stay there? No. On the third day, he rose from the dead. And what he did is he destroyed hell's weapon of mass destruction. The fear of death. Jesus destroyed the fear of death through His resurrection. Through His death He atoned for our sins and through His resurrection He has justified us in His blood. And His sacrifice opens heaven for us. That is why the church in its central focus of worship always celebrates the holy sacrifice of Christ because in that is our redemption because did He stay dead? No. The body and blood of Christ that we take is risen from the dead. It is the medicine of immortality. And in His resurrection, Jesus gives us a rock, a solid, impervious place to build our lives Our faith, our family, and our future on, even in the midst of uncertainties. At the end of his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus writes these words Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Do you realize the next time the rock is used is in Matthew 16? And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. It didn't collapse because it had been founded on the rock. And in Matthew 16, we find out what the rock is. Jesus, the Son of the living God, the Messiah. And brothers and sisters, this is what people in these uncertain and unsettling times need to hear. They need a place to put their lives into. Amid all of these uncertainties and all of these fears... We need to know Jesus, our Jesus, that we are here to worship and to receive. I want to close with this colic prayer that we prayed. I prayed for all of you, but I want you to all pray this with me now, because I think this prayer really does summarize everything I have just shared with you. Let's pray it together. Oh God. Who caused the minds of the faithful to unite in a single purpose? Grant your people to love what you command, to desire what you promise, and amid the uncertainties of this world, our hearts may be fixed on that place where true gladness is found. Doesn't that just say it all? In the name of the Father and of the Son